Welcome to episode number eight of the Backlash podcast. Tonight we are going to talk to Keith Edberg of Esox Real Repair, and it's actually going to go tonight, probably into the morning, into the morning, because Brad decides that he wants to do podcast starting at eleven thirty at night. Anyways, Keith, um, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing good. You guys are crazy. You're uh, night owls like I am. <laughs> Well, you've you've been here numerous times, Keith. You know my uh, my lifestyle. Um, we generally are up late, and we try to get up early. Sometimes that isn't always easy, but uh, but yeah, you know we got to fill it in when we can. We're both uh, Jeff is busy packing orders. We're busy packing orders, and yeah. and so let's fill it in when we can. Yeah, you work so late uh, in the evening, and then. Uh... And then we get to talking after that, and it's not even necessarily about fishing, although it often is, but uh, it, it runs into the wee hours sometimes. <laughs> That's the fun part. <laughs> yeah. The fun or the dumb, I don't know which. <laughs> Both. I'm going to give Brad the 6 a.m. wake-up call so he can help get me up for my kids to get on the bus. Well, I can uh, get up. I, uh, I spent yesterday, I was in the shop from 5 until till five and then we did a podcast and uh so yeah i mean i <laughs> i don't know i was out in the shop tonight till around seven thirty. so it is what it is well let's um let's have keith keith why don't you just give us a little background on your company i know we introduced you to start out esox real repair why don't you kind of talk about how long you've been in business and um why don't you give an overview of you know kind of what you what you do over there sure well, and really, this is just a uh, side business for me. Um, I actually started, uh, um, well, simply from working on my own reels, I um, I could tell that uh, it was going to get costly to try and bring my reels in or to ship them somewhere uh, and have somebody professional do them. So I, I basically uh, am self-taught. Um, and I learned the hard way, uh, sitting in my easy chair, watching TV with a, uh, just a little, uh, oh, in fact, it's a, it's a plain old, plain old tackle box, the little stowaways that I have all my tools and, and oil and things like that in. And, and just when I flip the cover open and I, I put a paper towel down there, that's my work area. So rather than a desk or a big table or something, but I remember distinctly the first of my reels that I took apart because something was happening inside and it wasn't working. And I said, I'm going to figure this out. So I started taking screws off and started taking things apart. And, and when I popped that side plate off the first time and some stuff flew out and it's, it's still in my chair somewhere, I'm sure. But, um, so anyways, then I learned, well, you got to pay a little more attention. It might help to have a schematic or two laying around that you could consult with. But just over time of, of working on my own reels, uh, I got pretty comfortable with things. And um, and anyways, uh, the, the first thing I, I did was uh, well, I was up at Brad's visiting with Brad and Carrie one time. And, and I think my son Hunter was with me and, and uh I looked in the in the garage, and this is when uh, Brad had uh, his fishing had started to slow down a little bit. He was getting really busy with uh, 
course with the tackle company, Muskie Mayhem, but um, just a, a whole box there of uh, uh, Shimano Calcutta tees and, and a lot of them just, you know, dirty and grungy and stuff. And I said, don't you even use these anymore? And he said, well, yeah, I do. That's why they look like that. But I said, I tell you what, let me take these home with me and let me clean them up and fix them up. And so I wound up taking, I don't know, eight or 10 that first time around and brought them back. And, and anyways, I uh, got them in good working order for Brad and Brad started uh, you know, mentioning me to a couple other people, for example, Jason Hammernick and Billy Beekner and folks like that. In fact, I was just working on some of Billy's uh, reels here when you called, but uh, uh, so word started to spread. And, and anyways, I, you know, just, I started getting calls and texts and stuff and um, it just developed into a nice little side business Um and this year, I guess I just uh, wanted to step it up a little bit. Uh, um, and so I asked Brad and Carrie to uh, put together a little, uh, just some, some social media posts or something. And, and Brad had this great idea of doing this uh, time-lapse video of me uh, taking apart an entire uh, reel and putting it back together and, and cleaning it all. And, and in real life, it took me... And I was hustling, man. It was, uh, there was no screwing around and fooling around. Uh, it took me a little over an hour and he got that down to like 50 seconds or 58 seconds or something like that. So, and then, uh, here he created a logo for me and, uh, made me, uh, some business cards. And, uh, so whenever I, uh, ship uh, reels back to guys now, I, I usually throw a couple, three, uh, business cards in there to hand to their friends and stuff. And, uh, normally by the time this time of year rolls around, we're, we're only uh, a couple days away from the uh, opener uh, of Minnesota season. Um, normally by now, I'm pretty well wrapped up and, and I'll get the occasional reel during the season where, you know, for real or two goes down on a, a guy. Um, but normally I'm pretty slow, but right now I actually have quite a few to do and I'm waiting on some parts from, uh, from Iowa and uh waiting on some parts from abu to do uh, a few others but I, i've got some some pretty uh some pretty steady business right now brad uh, the post you did for me uh just just help people help reach people that, that didn't otherwise know of me and and i guess my only claim to fame if you will is i usually offer just really quick excellent turnaround um, I, I, I think I do an excellent job, uh, and it's, it's still very affordable and, and I'm a, uh, a parts dealer for, for all three of the majors, uh, Shimano, Abu Garcia and Daiwa, meaning I get, uh, a discount, uh, on the parts, uh, below retail. Um, and I pass that on to the customers. I don't mark up my parts hardly at all. Um. Uh, and in fact, to, to do a reel for me, um, you, you wouldn't want to make my hourly rate because because uh, I'm I'm slow and I'm thorough. I probably got two hours into a reel and I and I charge twenty five bucks. So um, I think I offer good service and, and good turnaround, and and uh, the guys uh, seem to like it. So uh, um, 
I, I don't know that this will ever be any kind of a full-time gig, but the, the one thing I really like about it is it keeps me busy in the winter because I, I don't ice fish or snowmobile or anything like that. So I, I've got a lot of time other than cut some wood in the winter. I've, I've got time to work on reels, So that's perfect for me. Well, I can attest that, uh, <laughs> The quality of your job is, is hands down one of the best I've ever had, Keith. Uh, and over a period of years, even when I went to some of the different manufacturers and had them work on things, I would say that, first of all, the turnaround time has always been better. And second of all, I think I got a better job when you've actually done it for me. So it's a good thing. And I, I think that, uh, you know, I want to bring it to the table that, you know, you are out there. And I think it's good for our listeners to... Uh, to know about that availability. Well, and I'm uh, I'm happy to back uh, uh, happy, very happy to participate in your podcast here. I think this is a great thing you guys are doing. Uh, hopefully, your your listeners, uh, you know, uh, pick up some tips here and there and apply them to their own fishing or what have you. But um, there was a gentleman that was uh, his his nickname was Pike Master, and he he lived down in Illinois, but he passed away last year and and he really was the kind of the king or the guru of of fixing musky bait casting reels and i uh, i talked to richard several times and and met with him at the shows and and we uh we commiserated about uh, certain reel designs and and parts and things like that and and uh i won't say that i i i learned uh, most or anything, uh, from him, but I did, I did pick up a couple tips from him. Um, he just had, had done so many reels over the years that, uh, he was bound to know a few things that I, that I don't, and I don't profess to know everything, but I've had some reels that have been actually quite a challenge. And, um, like you said, Brad, uh, stuff that guys have sent to Shimano and, and Shimano has, back and said oh we can't do anything with it or whatever something like that and i've been able to you know fix it uh you just got to get creative and think outside the box and and the one thing i'll say you know that that old calcutta te reel still in my opinion one of the finest musky reels ever made by today's standards perhaps considered a little slow um but that it's it's a, a a great reel, and I'll tell you just a brief little story about this. So a friend of mine um, sent his TE to me to have uh, cleaned and and lubed and fixed up, and and I did that, and I said, "Do you want me to send it back?" And he said, "Well, really, you know what I had in mind was I wanted to I wanted to sell that reel, and um, would you want to consider just?" posting it for me or I can post it uh, and then give them your contact information or whatever. That way we, we might save some shipping in one way or the other. I said, sure. So I wound up posting it on one of the forums and, and uh, one of the guys that responded to the, to the ad uh, was Herbie. Um, uh, and, and from uh, AML and, and Herbie was trying to to, to uh, talk me down on the price of the reel, and you know, had it been my reel, I'd have probably just you know done it just because it's Herbie. But um, I said, you know, it's 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 my friend's reel, and 
and I really can't do it. And so he says, I'll tell you what. He says, I'll trade you a full day's guided muskie fishing on Eagle Lake for that reel, which, you know, what, what a full day with Herbie is going to be a long day for one thing, and it's it's probably, what, four or 500 bucks, right? So worth more than what the reel is. But his his testament to that reel was that it's one of the few that, that had held up for him over the years with his clients, you know, his customers. Um, so uh, they're they're making great reels nowadays and, and they're approaching. But I just think that, that TE is, is an old standby. And I've got, for those of you that are worried since, uh, you know, Shimano quit making it several years ago, I've still got a lot, a lot of parts. I've got thousands of parts for TEs. I, I'm a little bit, you know, fairly limited on left-hand stuff, uh, the 401s, but uh, I've got quite a few of the others. So any of you folks that have, uh, you know, your TEs and just want to, you know, keep them, keep them running good, uh, just look me up. I'll, uh, I'll take care of them. Well, it definitely is my number one reel ever. Um, I remember the first time I tried one, and uh, I don't know. I think I own somewhere around 26 of them, I think, at one point. Um, I have at sold least I think I just did 10 of them for you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's pretty there crazy. There was another pile back at home, yep. Uh, there's a, I found some more. <laughs> <laughs> but... Uh, no, it's one of my go-to reels for sure. I guess one of the things that I would like to hear about, you know, is what we can do for management on the water and keeping these reels kind of going throughout the season. Yeah. Well, that's, that's a good question. You know, um, th- there's, there's a couple things. Uh, some people are just, they're just not mechanically inclined and or they're just a, and you're looking at you know a three four five hundred dollar investment. Um, they're just reluctant to start taking things apart. It's funny, my my kid Hunter will uh, can tell you some stories. But I've I've sat down in the boat, even though I've got a backup reel or whatever, a backup rod and reel. If something goes out on the one that I'm using or the one that I like or whatever. I'll sit down and he keeps casting, keeps fishing, and I'll pull out my my little kit. I've got you know just a little traveling kit with some uh, basic parts for a few different reels. I've got some grease and some oil and some tools, and and I'll pull that out and and uh, take that thing apart and figure out what's wrong with it and get it back together. And the crazy part is when uh, he, he gets a fish on or something. Uh, while I'm in the middle of a reel and I got parts laid all over, that gets to be a little interesting. Um, and I, and of course I've lost a part or two in the boat, but, uh, I can usually fashion something or, or it's not something that's urgently needed then, but I got to add it back later or whatever. So, but as far as, um, as far as some tips to, to just a few things that, that might come into play. One I can tell you right now that, and, and I learned my lesson, well, not early enough, but used to drive a lot of uh, gravel roads where I where I uh, musky fished, uh, sand and gravel. And um, the, especially when you, let's say, fished that morning or that day and 
and now you're driving away from the lake and and uh, your reels are wet and your line is wet and now you're going to drive on uh, gravel roads and you're going to create all this dust. Um, so you just, you get, you cake that dust on there and you combine that with the algae and the stuff that you pick up, your line picks up from the water. Let's say it's even, uh, you know, in the spring you get your, your uh, cottonwood or your popple, uh, you know, those, the, the white stuff, the floaties that your, your line can pick that up and deposit it right on your reel and then it dries and you get this, this crud on there. Um, so a couple things you can do. One, driving on sand or gravel, buy one of those cheap little uh, neoprene or whatever they are, uh, reel covers, and keep your reel covered up when you're when you're driving in those kind of conditions. Second of all, when you're fishing and you've got, let's say, an LJ bloom later in uh, July or August or September, whenever it is, and you're you're picking that stuff up. <coughs> excuse me. Just simply. Rinse your reel off now and then, Brad. I've heard you say a number of times when your 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 reels either start squeaking or squealing or whatever, you just you dip them in the in the action in the lake. You dip the whole reel in the lake. Well, that, that's a very temporary fix. And it's not <laughs> very good what, for anything. So, so if you're you avoid don't recommend that. No, I would recommend not doing that. But <laughs> I. Have, I know the, the, the things to lubricate um, to take care of that. Adding water to the system internally is just not helping much. Like I said, <laughs> it'll come to it's a squeak or a squeal. But um, a couple other things. Just want to, you know, everybody really knows uh, about, well, most everybody knows about backing off your, your star drag, let's say, when you're not fishing for for uh, an extended period of time or especially in the off season, back it off. And the reason for that is, <clears throat> is that underneath the, the, the star drag itself uh, is what they call, they either call them drag spring washers or uh, bevel washers or, um, but, but they're a, a curved, a curved washer and there's anywhere from two to four of them in most systems. And what happens is if you if you lock your drag down, which many people do, and I do, uh, most of my reels I have it locked down, not all the way, but 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 most of the way. Um, and if you leave it that way in the off season, eventually you'll take the the curve or the bend out of those uh, out of those washers, and then and then you just won't have the the tension there uh, after that. So. So a lot of people know to back their star drag off. That's all well and good. But one thing that I, I find a lot of, and I'd, and I'd like to, I guess, caution people against, is I get a lot of reels in with the cast control knob uh, tightened down nearly as hard as the, as the star drag. And what happens there is, when you when you tighten that, and when I refer to the cast control knob, let's say uh, you know it's a, it's a right-handed reel. It's it's on the right side, same side as as in fact usually right next to the the uh, post where the star drag sits on. It's just a cap, and underneath this cap, if you screw that off, usually in the 
in the cap itself, you'll find some kind of a, either a, uh, oh, it could be a, a rubber cushion or a, some kind of a material um, that's designed, some of them have springs in them as well, but this is designed to press on the end of the spool shaft itself and put tension on that spool shaft. The idea being to slow it down during the cast or towards the end of the cast so that it doesn't overrun uh, backlash, uh, the, the title of your podcast. So, um, but what most people do, and, and they kind of learned it, uh, kind of from the old days is they they put whatever lure on or bait on that they're going to fish with that day and they and they hold the rod up and and the idea is you you hit the the free spool the thumb bar uh to disengage the spool and you let the the bait fall and if it falls too fast you start to tighten your cast control well too many people i think tighten that down especially um, with, when they're throwing uh, really heavy baits, such as you know mag dogs, pounders, or those type of baits, um, and and they have that calf control tightened down so far that what they're actually doing is that see, there's got to be enough play in the frame and with the spool and everything to allow it to to be very freed. That's what gives you your your speed when you're casting. Uh, the, the frictionless, you got to have some play in there, but that play is also what allows you, if you wind up pushing too hard by turning in that calf control cap too much, you're actually pushing that spool shaft off to one side or another, and you're going to dent the material that's in that cap, and you're going to kind of deform it, but you're going to deform it with that spool pressed off to one side or, or another. And what that does is just create friction and stuff. So all I'm encouraging you to do is use as little cast control pressure as you absolutely can get away with. And the beauty of this is on a heavy bait, you don't, you, you don't want to make it so that that heavy bait barely falls from your rod, even though you think that's what you need. A heavy bait, you're almost never going to, backlash that as long as you've got some decent amount of thumb control when you're casting it's the lighter baits especially highly uh have wind resistance and are lighter and you're throwing it in the wind and you're trying to give it the extra oomph and that's when we create backlashes so you don't need a lot of cast control to con to control those kind of baits, let the heavy baits fall down quickly. Just keep your thumb on it. And, and so back that cast control off is, is one of the, the, the better tips I can give you. Here's another one. Just thought of this one. Um, lately, let's say in the last, well, five years especially, but it's been probably been longer, power handles um, for cranking the, the higher resistant baits and stuff, giving yourself more power, more torque on your reel. Uh, a lot of guys go with a longer, sometimes longer um, handle and a power handle with like a knob. And if it's if it's not a balanced power handle, let's say, which a lot of them are not, um, people have a tendency to when they throw this. Uh, some reels, some handles 
has a tendency to uh, engage prematurely on the cast. Um, and so a lot of folks say, well, you got to position your, your reel a certain way and you got the handle pointed down. And if you do all this, you won't have a problem. <clears throat> They're correct about that, but I don't, I don't bother. I don't go to the trouble of making sure the handle is in a certain position when I cast. All you have to do is simply hold the thumb bar down during the violent part of the cast, meaning hold the thumb bar down, throw the thing out there, and when your your forward motion of the rod is done, then take your thumb off the, the thumb bar. It, if, if you're pressing that thumb bar down, that handle can't engage. It just can't. So that's, to me, a, a simpler way of, of making sure that your handle doesn't engage versus worrying about which way it's pointing and all that. And then another tip I can give you, um, this goes with, um, let's say, ripping baits uh, such as, uh, you know, mag dogs or medusas or something like that. And a lot of guys like to really rip them and, and give them action. Well, part of the problem there is that um, what you're doing is you're putting a lot of stress on, on two areas of the reel. One, you're relying heavily on that uh, anti-reverse bearing, they call it a roller clutch bearing, um, to stop your handle from going backwards and just basically reversing itself. Um, and then the other thing is, if you're if you're doing a lot of ripping, where let's say you're palming you're palming the reel and you got your, your other hand is on the, the reel handle and you're reeling and you stop reeling and you give it a rip, usually you've, you've got a lot of stress, a lot of leverage on the handle itself. So what you're doing there is putting a lot of, a lot of stress on the drive shaft itself. So one thing I always, always tell guys that like to rip baits uh, very aggressively is just try one thing, and that is, it, it doesn't work if you're a guy that uh, grips the rod uh, on the foregrip, you know, up on the court. Um, you'd be unable to do it. But if you're a guy that palms your, your reel, just when you go to rip it, put your thumb on the spool and hold the spool that way. That way that you can actually almost let go of the handle, the reel handle uh, with your other hand, but not that you would. But you can you can take any pressure or leverage off. You can relax your real handle hand and just make sure your thumb is stopping that spool and give her the rip. And the other thing that does is that takes a bunch of the load off of relying on your your roller clutch bearing from from stopping that. So that those are just a few things that that uh, I can tell you to try. Um, and, and they've worked for me. I mean, my my reels. Uh, gosh, I just I just have so uh, so little trouble with mine. And of course, I I, I take mine, my own personal reels uh, apart. I'm going to say probably twice a year during the season. I'll I'll fish with them for six eight weeks, take them apart, clean them up, fish another you know six eight weeks, and take them apart, clean them up, and then finish out the season. And then sometime in the off season, I'll 
I'll do it, you know, one really good cleanup. So, um, but I, I just have had very little trouble following a few of those tips. Honestly, you know, Keith, it, it's amazing to me, but the cleaning is probably the most important, honestly. I mean, I, I know you love my reels when I send them to you and uh, they're full <laughs> of cottonwood and algae. And, um, you know, that little bit, how, how do we keep that algae and that cottonwood, you know, from affecting us on a daily basis? You know, it, it's amazing when your line's coming in and you see these big gobs of white stuff or, or maybe it's the green stuff with the algae. Um, yep. what, do you, what do you recommend on a daily maintenance well, there, there is something you bring up, Brad, that, that actually doesn't require a, a technician or a, a professional. Because if you can just even on a daily basis or whatever, um, clean the outside of your real, you know, yourself um, and keep some of that algae and that crud off of there the less likely or the less chance there is of that stuff working its way inside the reel and causing you some, some real problems. So just on a daily basis, two, two things you might need. Um, well, three, three things, three tools. Uh, and then I use just, I just use some isopropyl alcohol. Um, if, if it's real dry and crusty and, and or worse than that, if it's, if it's grimy or you know, you got some oil or something that spilled on there and attracted dirt and along with the algae. But uh, a toothpick, a toothbrush, and uh, a Q-tip. Any of those three things, uh, I I use all of them. But just brush away or pick away with a toothpick. That's where you're going to need to get in between the, the old, like the worm shaft uh, cover and the post that supports it. You know, you got some tight spots in there, but Anything you can use, toothbrush, Q-tip, and toothpick to pick that stuff out and get it off and away from your reel uh, will will help keep that stuff from working its way inside and causing you some, some serious problems down the road. Yeah, that's where it really comes into fruition there, that it's when it gets inside your reel more so, isn't it? But the, wor the worm gear is so exposed, so... I know that's a, a critical point for cleaning, for sure. It is, and and here's the thing: um, generally, the algae and stuff will not get there, but other stuff does. Uh, dirt and dust, and and actually some algae and stuff can, for sure. Um, but the problem, or the thing about that is, is the line guide Paul is always going back and forth in that worm gear. And so it's kind of self-cleaning, if you will. Um, but if stuff starts to collect and build up, that's that's when you can have some issues. So actually, if you can uh, uh, take a brush or a Q-tip to that and just turn the handle, uh, and that'll make the, the line guide go back and forth and expose uh, all the parts of the worm gear itself where you can get a brush in there and brush it out. And, and actually... Uh, just brushing it, uh, Q-tip with the alcohol, like I said. Uh, sometimes you can just blow in there and get little puffs of stuff to come out. But, um, yeah, keeping the worm shaft open and free is important. And, and one of the things that 
uh, often happens when guys are fishing late season, you know, towards ice up and, and things are freezing up is, is often you'll get moisture water in that worm gear. And the, and the line guide Paul, uh, that's riding in there is it's, it's not that, it's not that big of a piece. And if it gets obstructed and by ice, and now you're forcing things to happen. That's when, you know, weird stuff can happen. Uh, then parts can start breaking and things like that. But um, keeping it free and clear, uh, brushing it out now and then, uh, rinsing that reel off with uh, fresh water. Um, and just a little side note for any of you saltwater guys that that take your musky stuff saltwater fishing and uh, gosh, when you use it for salt water, uh, rinse it off right away. Uh, rinse it off. Uh, most reels are healed pretty well that you're not going to get anything inside there to speak of, but um, rinse off all that salt water uh, right away. And then, and then when you come back up north for, for musky fishing, you'll be good to go. Yeah. You know, I think that's a good point. Um, the saltwater guys are really used to that. You know, they actually take care of their equipment probably better than us freshwater guys, um, basically because of the salt. So it's a, yeah, I think you're probably right. It's a different concept. I think, uh, I'm thinking that grabbing my rod and just thrashing the reel in underwater, that's probably good enough. But, uh, what you're <laughs> telling me is a whole different thing. So, yeah, I would, uh, well, you know, I tell you what, Brad, just just hire me to be your personal reel uh, manager, and, and I'll just follow you around and keep your reels uh, running for you. As long as you let me fish now and again, I'll, I'll take care of you. <laughs> we'll call you the reel caddy. Yeah, there you go. Um, so, Keith, you kind of touched on some stuff about ice buildup and, and the cold weather. Um, is there something that we can do to our reels, you know, when we get into that last open water atmosphere where maybe there's ice building around you as you're fishing. Um, is there something that we can use to prevent some of that ice buildup? I know the line is continually bringing in water. And one of the things that, that I've always looked at is using a line or maybe a new line, because it seems like as their line wears out, you're carrying a lot more water, but there's certain brand names of line out there that carry more water than others. Um, so that's one aspect, but what, what else can we do to the reels? Is there some tip out there that maybe we should look at? Well, you know, I, I tell you what, the, uh, yeah, it seems like you're, you're absolutely correct. Uh, older line that have had the, let's say the, the factory coatings worn off over time or what have you, uh, does tend to pick up more water. Um, but you can actually you can actually treat your your braids with uh, you know they make a couple of different uh, conditioners if you will that will help reduce the amount of water that you pick up and and especially that time of year anything you can do to reduce the amount of water that you pick up uh, will be helpful not only helping keep your hands less getting less cold but uh, less potential damage to your your reel but um the other thing i would say would be this and that is and i i don't i don't see it terribly often but uh it's not something that 
than an individual can necessarily do on his own. Um, but I tend to, like my second cleaning uh, of the year uh, prior to late season, and I will I will freely admit that I used to I used to fish till pretty late, but I just I'm so addicted to bow hunting that I've got to be in the tree come late October. So I I pretty much have, have given up all my my late fishing. But um, what the one thing I do do is is I make sure that. I don't put as heavy a grease or as much grease in uh, later in the year uh, in anticipation of potentially fishing late season. Uh, that that will slow you down and, and, and potentially see some things up uh, if, if you've got too much grease in there. So keep the grease light, um, keep the moisture down with your line if possible, and um, that's about all one can do. So on a, on another topic, I guess um, similar to what we've been discussing, but if there was one reel out there right now, I'm talking brand new, whether it came out this year or two years ago or whatever. What reel do you feel is probably over-engineered, or the reel that uh, you would look at as saying, "Hey, that's the reel to go to in today's world." Well, I will tell you this, and you and I actually discussed this, uh, oh gosh, a couple months ago, but um, it, it's not a reel for everyone, but the Shimano Conquest uh, is one heck of a reel. It's it's as smooth a reel as I've ever, ever felt. Um, it's very well engineered, um, but, but aside from that, which, you know, it's an expensive reel. Uh, uh, it, it, well worth it in my opinion but um, I, I, I've tried several different ones I've owned uh, most of them off and on over the years but uh, my go-to reel right now is actually the Shimano Tranks 400 um, now I will say this it's uh, I can use it for your uh, uh, double tens, your cowgirls, Brad, uh, but not for any kind of speed work. Uh, it's it's pretty much slow rolling tens with uh, juniors, the nines. Uh, I'm good uh, at pretty good clip there um, with that reel. Um, but I just love how it how it casts, how it uh, fits my hand. It palms so well. It's smooth as silk. Um, it's got a few features on it that are, uh, uh, that set it apart, uh, from some other reels. Uh, I just love it. Uh, and it's not, in my opinion, it's not an overly expensive reel. You can buy it on sale, I think for two forty nine. Um, the other, uh, it's normally probably two ninety nine, but, um, the other reel that I think, uh, is mm, somewhat overlooked um is the uh the abu uh revo toro s uh that reel can be had for i think brand new as low as 179 or 189 bucks <clears throat> excuse me that's a heck of a reel for the money as well but um the tranks 500 uh has 
it's really been a popular reel over the years, but I will also say this, it's, it's built pretty darn well. I work on, you know, a fair number of them, but in relation to how many are out there, I would say it's not a very high percentage. Um, but they're a workhorse. And if you, if one of two things, if you just don't like uh, feeling any resistance uh, with, with a big bladed bait or any high resistance bait when you're retrieving it, um, you use a, a, a Tranks uh, 500 PG. That's the power gear. And if you want speed of any sort uh, for medium size or uh, smaller bucktails, go with the 500 HG. It just it just moves so much line per turn that it's just crazy. Right. Um, but for me personally. That reel is too big and it's too heavy. I, I'm out there to, to enjoy myself and have fun, and I get I get enough speed out of my other reels, and it just I I'm a I'm a, I'm a palming guy. I, I palm my reels. I can't foregrip it. Uh, I just don't feel like I have any control that way. And that Tanks 500 is just too big. And I I will tell you this that. I have found, uh, well, the last several years, and I've been mostly fishing, you know, Lake of the Woods uh, the last few years. <clears throat> I do fish Minnesota still, but um, those fish haven't needed or wanted speed. Um, so I haven't found the need for it. Uh, if you really have the need for speed or want to just effortlessly retrieve a, a double 10 or a double 13, then go ahead and use the Tranks. It's a great reel. But um, the Tranks 400 is what I'm using probably the most, and it's working out real well for me. Well, I have a few of those, and I, I did end up buying a couple Conquest. Um, let me ask your opinion on, as you're casting, um, one of the things that I found is Conquest, there's two different models, and I don't even know how to identify the two models, but one the level wind actually moves while you're casting one the the level wind doesn't move what's your opinion yep. on that well you know i've gone back and forth both ways actually um so the one version is called non-disengaging level wind and the other is obviously called disengaging level wind meaning the one that that stays still, that doesn't move back and forth, that's called the disengaging level wind. So you've disengaged it when you uh, press the thumb bar, and now you you cast, and what you're seeing, if you were happen to look down at your at your reel while your while the line's running out of there, is so the the line's going back and forth. Um, but the, the, the line guide is in one place. It's stationary. And so you're thinking, boy, that seems like that's a lot of friction and a lot of wear. And, and if you were to, to, uh, look at a non-disengaging level wind, that means the level wind stays engaged during the cast and you'll see the actual line guide go back and forth with the line. Um, and you know what? Some guys have a preference one guy one way, and some have a preference the other. I, I will say this: on the the older, bigger, wider spools, 
I would say it would be very difficult or you would have too much friction, in my opinion, to have a disengaging level wine. But where you see most often a disengaging level wine happen is now today's uh, uh, reels with the narrower spools. And you've also got the, the splicker braids that we're using. Um, it's it's less of an issue, put it that way, with, to, with today's lines and today's narrower spools. But if you if you had a bigger, wider spool, I'd I'd say it's it's more than likely going to have a, a non-disengaging level wine. Sure. Well, I I think it's interesting because um, I don't know how many years ago this was, but I uh, I started using some of the Trinidad's, which was designed as a a saltwater reel that had no level wine. Um, the neat thing was the the Trinidad TN16. You know, we were picking up. Man, I'm trying to think of how much line. Forty three or forty six inches, I think it was. Um, it's forty six or forty eight, I think, on the TN16. Uh, uh, uh. The fourteen was just slightly under that. I mean, literally, it was like a boat winch. It really was. Um, I don't think that they were as popular as what I thought they might be, but I'm telling you, if you wanted to burn a bait into the boat, that was the system. Um, yep. You could you could pull your truck out of the ditch if it was tied down to a tree <laughs> somewhere, you know? Um, and I still have them in my arsenal. I mean, I, I use them, but... Uh, you know, it, without a level wine, there was a couple tricks that you could do and, and make it work. Um, and I think that, um, you know, Shimano has kind of changed some of the rules with some of the things that they've done. And don't get me wrong, I, I, you hit it on the head with the Revo Toro. Um, they've made some really cool things happen. Um, there's a bunch of different real companies out there that are that are doing some interesting stuff. So I... Uh, I have leaned towards Shimano myself um, because it hasn't really let me down. So it's hard to move away when you find something that you really like. But uh, so, Jeff, what, what exactly. do you got on your, your agenda? I mean, what are you thinking right now? I'm thinking this is going to be the easiest podcast for me to edit ever. I don't have to do anything <laughs> on my end. <laughs> Well, that's not, that's just not fair. That's what I'm thinking. I mean, like on my end, my audio track, there's going to be nothing on there. So that's what I was thinking. I was thinking, Hey, this is pretty good. Anytime he came, <laughs> anytime, like he mentioned something and then I was like, all right, so I should follow, have a follow-up question. He would come back and answer the question. So I was like, all right, no follow-up question. So it was, it was, it was good. I think he offered well, a lot of great information, honestly. Um, a lot of, I mean, he got really in depth, which is obviously something you and I had talked about quite a bit about getting in depth with your information there. Um, as far as, uh, your Trinidad comment, it showed me your age again. Cause I mean, I, I haven't heard about a Trinidad in 15 years. I know of them. I had one, couldn't stand it. I could honestly not handle not having a level wine. It was just, uh, it was horrible, but I will agree with you. You could pull your truck out of the ditch with it. Uh, I could teach you a few things there, Jeff. And, um, you know, it, it's amazing. I don't know how many Trinidads I owned, um, I probably had six or eight of them. And I even had a Trinidad uh, TN16 DC, which was a digitally controlled braking system. Um, they were phenomenal, phenomenal reels. And um, 
there's some things that you could do um, and the general public probably never really realized it. So it never really caught on, but that's for another whole different show. But uh, the one thing they did is, I mean, that they, they saw a need for the speed and they saw a need for, you know, for us to be able to crank, crank in big blades. And so they built, they built stuff that, you know, helped the angler. I mean, uh, a Tranks 500 will do what a Trinidad does in my opinion. Don't you agree? Um, you know, when it first came out, I remember, I, you know, I was fishing with Larry Dahlberg at the time a little bit. And so I got to see some of the very earliest pieces of those tranks. And, um, it was kind of funny. I beat Larry to the punch with the Trinidad, you know, he's like, I'm bringing up a reel. I'm going to show you this. And he, he pulls out a Trinidad and, and I'm like, yeah, I got one in the boat and he didn't know what to say to me. Um, then, then he brought up the tranks and I, of course I hadn't seen one of those. And, um, the neat thing about the tranks, um, you're, you're right. It's very similar to the Trinidad in that aspect, but again, Keith kind of hit on it. You know, it's uncomfortable to fish with, and there's ways around that. I mean, maybe you grab the foregrip of the rod and, uh, that that's maybe your answer. The other answer would maybe be out the old. Uh, excuse me, the outdoor grips scenario where you, you yep. have the jig ripper in front of the foregrip where you're, you're actually using that jig ripper as a um, foundation for control of the rod. Definitely something to look into, but <laughs> all things said, I, I still lean towards re, uh, palming my reel and I don't know why. I mean, maybe it's 30 years of doing it. You know what I mean? But I, um, man, that Tranks 500 is just a big reel. And, and the Trinidad is a big reel too. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, um, right. But it's nowhere near as big as the Tranks 500. And I remember I agree. With Matt Snyder Mallard up on Vermilion and try, he was, he was using the Trinidad and I tried it and I said, man, I just, I, I could not get used to trying to move that line back and forth with my thumb or whatever. And what I, speculated then and i don't know why well i know why to me the ultimate uh, if you're looking for a speed reel would have been to put a level line on a trinidad but you know what we we like to think and this is how sheltered we are our little world of musky fishing as big as it is um there's just not enough of us doing it that they were would ever consider making that that specific reel for musky guys you know it just it's it's why they don't make left-handed tanks 500s, you know, it's just, uh, you're exactly right. The one reel that I, that I thought kind of was maybe like a cross between them. Um, I want to say that the, the LJV, did you ever use one of those Brad? I did. Um, you know, basically that, that's actually the, that's actually the reel that I was working on when you called, uh, from Billy's, um, an LJV, Jeff, is actually a, a Calcutta TE with two minor differences. One, it's got it comes with a power handle versus having to change out the, the, the paddle handle on a TE. And then it's got one extra bearing. So it, it really is uh, basically a, a 400 TE with a power handle. Okay. So let, let me ask you this, Keith, just briefly. Um, 
the conquest um i remember seeing years ago you know they were available um i, I don't know if the name was still conquest but I kind of associate the conquest as being like the Japanese version of the TE. Is that true? Well, that's kind of, I think in, in, uh, the last time I talked to uh, Mike at Shimano, he's a kind of the head of the, the parts department and everything, um, service department. Um, he said there's actually two versions, a, a U.S. version and a Japanese version. And oh, said, so there, uh, there still is a Japanese version. That's my understanding. And, in fact, he said uh, we can't even, meaning him, Shmuel, in the U.S., can't even get Japanese parts for some reason. I, I didn't dive into why or whatnot. But, thankfully, uh, you know, he sent me schematics for... Uh, uh, for the reel that I was working on for the, the one customer. And uh, he said, it's kind of a take your chances kind of thing. And, and the couple pieces that I need, actually, uh, they were able to get to me and, and they worked just fine. So, um, you know, some of it's going to be interchangeable and some of it's not. But, um, yeah, apparently there is still a, a Japanese version and a U.S. version. Okay. I I have always wanted the Japanese version to kind of see. And when I bought the two different uh, versions of the uh, Conquest this year, I thought that's basically the uh, the TE version of the Japanese model. Um, ah. I'm, I'm really looking forward to using them this year. I mean, I, I felt them, I've turned them. I'm telling you right now, it's the smoothest reel I've ever turned the handle on. And uh, yep. I'm I'm extremely excited to actually fish them. You'll love it, and just uh, especially uh, since they're a little more expensive, and you want to, I guess, keep them running the way they feel now. You want them to, to feel that way in a year or two. Um, try to uh, try to try go to, by. Try to dip them in the lake as much as possible. Yeah, there you go. But uh, the the ripping part, uh, if if you're gonna rip baits, use your thumb rather than rely on the handle, and because you know you start you start leveraging some of that stuff, and that's when your gears start to to get just a little out of whack, and and uh, sometimes um, even if you do, I guess you'd almost call it a complete rebuild with a new drive gear and a new pinion gear, and and things like that it just things just get slightly out of whack and and it'll never be as smooth as as when you first had it so uh uh take some care with it when you're ripping baits and, and that thing will last you you'll you're just gonna love it it's that real is unbelievable yeah it, it feels incredible i'm like i said i'm excited jeff what, what are your go-to reels what do you end up using mostly um, I'm mostly Shimano. I have uh, a couple different 400 Tranks 400s. I like those. I've I always had the I think it was the Calcutta D after they got rid of the TEs. I had some TEs. I had an LJV. I had a 500 Tranks 500. But I agree. I just I palm my reels too, and that thing's just a giant. I can't handle it. Um, I I like what it can do. It's just too big. Um, I've never I've never tried the jig ripper handle on it. It's Aaron's got that new prototype um, reel seat where the jig ripper handle would be like right where your palming grip is. 
In fact, yep. I was um, I met up with Aaron today at lunchtime, and I um, I got to play around with it a little bit, and that to me feels more comfortable than like the jig ripper handle. I like it. It's just that it's in front still. Where if you're gonna, you know, where if you were holding the foregrip, it's kind of there, so it's still a little uncomfortable for me. Um, but I, I mean, like I said, I love the 500. I just wish that it was just a tad smaller. That thing's just giant. I must not have real big hands or, or maybe everybody has that problem, but I just, it's just not for me. Oh, I, I'm with you, Jeff. And I, Aaron would be a great guy to bring on, um, onto the, the podcast, but you know, he's doing some really cool stuff. And, um, you know, I have to admit, I, I'm still not the guy that's going to use one. Um, and I may at different times, you know, for fatigue factor or whatever, but, um, the jig ripper has changed uh, many things for a lot of people out there. So you can't argue that, but I, I agree with you on the 500. It's not my reel. I would rather use a Trinidad at, at that point, you know, um, it's interesting to me. I I love his new reel seat. It's incredible. Um, outdoor grips is making comfort into the pains that uh, we've all endured as musky fishermen. So somebody to take a look at for sure. But um, yeah, I don't know what else to say about that. Um, Keith, what is your go-to reel? I mean, you kind of shared a little bit there. Well, that- I tell you what, I, uh, I have the luxury of... Uh, I've got several setups to choose from because Hunter, you know, is living out in Colorado and he just finished up his master's degree and and I only sent uh, sent him out there with one uh, one rod and one reel, so I got everything else back here. So I got a lot to choose from, but I would say my number one all around go to is probably the Tranks 400A, uh, the low gear. Uh, I, I do put uh, a lot of hours on. Uh, Jeff mentioned the uh, the one that replaced the TE, the the, the Calcutta D, um, and and that that reel has been a little bit maligned by guys, but I've never had any trouble with it. Uh, other than it's it's a little weak on drag, but I love that reel for casting, and it's it's my favorite reel for topwater. Um, so, uh, I throw that a lot and then, and then I have an Abu uh, beast, uh, and again, the lower speed, the 4.9 to one, not the 6.3 or four to one. And then, uh, I've got a fourth one there that I don't throw as much, but that's the, uh, the Toro S. Uh, so I've got a little bit of variety and, and, uh, they all get used somewhat, but I would say the Tranks 400 and the and the Shimano Calcutta uh, D uh, probably get the the bulk of the work. So let me ask you this. uh, One last kind of question. I mean, we're kind of getting to a head here with our timeline, but um, I want to talk about gear ratios briefly. Um, I'm kind of curious what your thought process is on gear ratio and performance of the reels in that aspect. Yep. That's a good question, Brad. And, and the problem is uh, throwing gear ratio out there without knowing what you're uh, doing. Well, no, without knowing a few other things, uh, it can be deceiving. For example, the 
the real we we opened the show with uh, talking about the uh, 400 TE and uh, what I still consider to be a great reel. In fact, if if they made that reel um, in a little faster version, gosh, I think uh, you could bring that back. Shimano could bring that back, and you'd have a whole new arsenal of people willing to buy that reel. But um, that has a 5.1 to 1 ratio. Um, its predecessor, the, the 400 ET, uh, had a 4.7 to 1 ratio, but uh, the, the TE 400 had a 5.1 uh, gear ratio. And because of the, uh, the spool size, um, it, it wound up being about a 25. Did we lose him, Jeff? We did. You and I are still here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me see if I can get him on. All right. We got everybody. All right. Let's continue. Let's continue on. Now you're going to have to do some editing. <laughs> That's all right. I can edit yeah. some stuff. I, I don't know where we ended up there, but you were talking about gear ratios. Yeah. Okay. So the, the 400T has a 5.1 to 1 ratio. Um with the the size of the spool that it uses and everything, it winds up being about a 25 inches per turn uh, reel. So uh, you could have, now let's look at um, the Tranks 500 PG, the power gear. Uh, that thing, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's, it's only a 4.6. Um, gear ratio, uh, but it winds up being about a 30 inches per turn, uh, per turn of the handle gets you 30 inches of line in. Um, and that's all because of the spool size. Uh, then you go to the, the Tranks 500 HG, the high gear, uh, and I think you're talking, uh, 46 or 43 or 46, 43, I think it is. Uh, inches per turn so so much of it depends on the spool size and then the gear ratio and then the third factor that you can i guess throw into the equation to help with the perceived uh resistance or the perceived amount of work is the length of your handle obviously if you make your handle longer you are applying more leverage uh, you you have more torque or more power. Now some some folks say, okay, yeah, the the reel maybe uh, goes around easier when you've got a little more levers like that. But you actually have to provide or apply a little more work to get that that longer handle to go around. Well, of course you do. So there there's a a lot of trade offs in in our sport, and and that's one of them. You can either uh, go with a reel that's uh, easier to, to turn, if you will, and you have to make your, your hand and your arm go around faster, or you can go with a reel that is a little bit harder, more resistant, but every turn of the handle brings in more inches, and you've got to provide, you. so you, you don't have to be as fast, but you're going to feel that a little more, so there's a lot of a lot of trade-offs, but that's why I think a lot of reels 
end up being right in that sweet spot where most guys are maybe comfortable for most baits that they're going to throw. And that's right in that, I'm going to say 28 to 31 inches per turn, which is going to cover your things like your, your, your beasts, uh, at the 4.9 gear ratio and your tranks 400s at the, at the lower gear ratio, um, which is uh, 5.6 or 7 or 8 on that one. Um, so I think right in that 30 inches per turn is pretty darn comfortable. You can get uh, a semi-reasonable amount of, of speed on uh, smaller to medium-sized uh, baits, and yet you, you're going to have the comfort to retrieve them all day long. So there's well, a lot of trade-offs. But that's also why a lot of guys have multiple different rigs if they figure they need speed for a day they've got a, a speed burner reel and if they figure they need comfort they've got this reel and if they figure they need something else they've they've got three or four options there's no doubt about it keith and and one of the things that um you know <laughs> i've been we've been trying to do um a bunch of different tackle tips here. Um, every Tuesday we do a tackle tip on our Instagram and Facebook. Um, Musky Mayhem does. And the thing that I'm going to do is a couple different things. Um, in the near future here, we're going to put out a little video that will go to go to uh, YouTube. But um, filling the capacity of your reel, that, that's yeah. where, you know, when you fill your reel to the full capacity, is where you actually get that difference. Um, say you got a half a spool, you're not going to get the true performance of your reel. Well, that's true. For example, uh, and I will, and Brad, you're one of the uh, cardinal sinners there. I often have to, I curse you under my breath when I'm doing working on your reels because they're always overpacked with line and I can't even get the spool out the, the, the side frame. Um, so you have to peel off a bunch of line out, out onto the floor until you reduce the, the line enough to get it out through the frame. And then you work on the reel with the line hanging out of it. Uh, and then you put it back in and you spool it back up. But yes, you're exactly right. So the, the, the inches per turn IPT that you might see a lot of reels listed. Some don't. As, as, as a spec on, on their spec sheet or on the real box itself. But uh, the IPT is generally ter determined with a full spool, meaning uh, just to the edge of the spool. And then the, the thing that they don't remind you or tell you is that let's say you, you cast that thing your bait out uh, 50, 50 yards, let's say, 150 feet. Um, now your spool is quite a bit smaller, so the actual speed or inches per turn that you're gaining at the end of the cast is not as great as it will be as you get that bait closer to your, to your, uh, back to the boat. So, um, and so what some guys do is they they overfill a spool as much as they can. And and I'd say, you know, two things. One, as long as that 
it's not so full that your line is rubbing on the frame somewhere or there's extra uh, friction there because of it. It's fine. Otherwise, you're you're just taking a chance on on risking you know wearing your line out sooner and causing you uh, potentially to lose a big fish. But um, as long as that's not happening, if you want more speed and potentially feel greater resistance, meaning more work, go ahead and fill that spool and and gain the speed that way. Conversely, if, for example, if, this is a big if, but if I ever was going to use uh, a Tranks 500 uh, and said, okay, I'm going to put up with the weight and I'm going to put up with the the size, and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna put up with it. I tell you what I would do is is I would get a, a 500 HD, the high speed. And what I would do is I would consider getting a spare spool for it. But basically, this if you if if you took the high speed and ran it about let's say half. Full, which is the exact opposite of what you're you're always doing, Brad, or thinking. If you ran that HG, let's say half to two thirds full, that would be pretty close to ideal for uh, for an all around. You'd have pretty decent power. You'd have pretty decent speed. You'd have great castability. Um, versus taking a uh, a lower the lower gear and packing it with as much line as you can get on there um, to pick up even more speed. Um, it, it, it's six of one, half a dozen of the other. But um, I know this: the the actual the Tranks 500, in my opinion, has got so much power that that when you don't want to burn a bait. I don't care for it simply because I couldn't even feel the, the blades turning. It was it was so powerful that you couldn't even feel the, the blades turning, and I didn't like that. I wanted to know what my blades were doing. I wanted to feel that. I so totally. I actually, Go ahead, Jeff. I actually like feeling a little resistance there, and with the, the Change Five Hundred, I just wasn't feeling it. I, I'm sorry. I thought that was Jeff kind of intervening there, but I agree with you completely, Keith. Um, my problem with it is, is I want to be in contact with the bait, and I think it's very critical. Um, and and to to what you're saying there, Keith, you're right. I do overpack my reels, and if you um, if you watch here in the next, I don't know, next month or so. We will be putting out a tackle tip. Um, I've already filmed part of it on how I fill my reels and exactly how I go out on the water and get those reels so that they're put together the way I like them. And and I do. I overpack my reels. It's the way it is. Um, it definitely helps in the boat. But I will also say that um, I think we talked about it two nights ago on a podcast. Um, I I have also cut out about half that real line capacity for night fishing. Um, a lot of times I have clients in the boat that they want to burn. And, and there's times when slower is better. And so you bet. 
And, and the way that I get that or achieve that goal is by removing half that line. And now my client that wants to, to burn, 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 burn with his hands, it's way, way slower. And at night, yep. slow yep. is heat. Yeah. It's so, not only easier for him, but the slower. And I, I'm, I'm with you there, Brad, and it, not even necessarily at night. Um, I, I talked to this it's old guide um, many, many years ago. Uh, met him on uh, Mantrap Lake up in northern Minnesota. And um, he, he was telling us stories from his days back on Leech and, and whatever. And he said, you know, all these guys talk about burning, burning, burning. And he said, yeah, I could see that it works. But he said, um, gosh, all the big fish I've ever caught, all of them, every one of them, and when he's talking big, we're talking, you know, that mid fifties and stuff like that. Um, we're working a bait as slow as almost painstakingly slow, whether it be a suet or a topwater or whatever. And I've fished uh, Lake of the Woods with uh, a mutual friend of ours, Dominic Hoyos, the last uh, couple few years, and and um, I'm amazed how slowly he can. And he's he's so he's so in control, and he's got the willpower. He reels them top waters so slowly, uh, just enough to make them, you know, putter and gurgle and and do the right things, do the pop pop. But I tell you what, he he gets he gets the reaction on them too. So uh, sometimes I think slow is actually better for the big girls. I can't argue that at all. And I'll tell you, I'm right in the same boat. Um, slow has, has paid off for me so much. And um, for whatever reason, I, I've always said the joke, you know, that so does the fat guy run to the fridge or <laughs> does he walk to the fridge? You know, and I've told clients this time and time again, and I'm serious. Um you know, we we walk to the fridge. We're not going to run to the fridge. So, because um, I'm one of those fat guys. But uh, well, when I when I get there, I'm going to open the door and leave it open and sit there in front of it. <laughs> <laughs> That's a valid point. You know, it, what what I'm getting at is plain and simple. Um, those big lazy fish, they want that slow meal hanging right in their face. And hey, this is an easy target for me. It's a big meal because I like big baits. And guess what? I'm going to eat that. You know, um, that's my relationship to it. But I, slow is definitely a key, and speed of retrieval is definitely uh, second to only weather in musky fishing. I've said it a couple times, and I mean that. That that truly is a factor. I agree with you there. You know, the last, thankfully, um, and Brad, you told me this years and years ago, and it still holds true today. For whatever reason, um, when you and Carrie, you know, developed the double cow girl, um, it for whatever reason, it it worked then. It works now as good as ever. Maybe you know. 
not not to the numbers effect like it did when it first came out, but if if I wanted to tie on one bait that uh, and I'm talking you know during the let's say the the summer months, not your very early spring and not your very late fall, but um, summer and, and regular fall type periods when when they're just feeding regularly. Uh, as far as a confidence bait to have on, um, and especially going into the figure eight, um, I, I just can't think of anything I'd rather have on than a nine or a 10 a junior cowgirl or cowgirl. It's just, it's, it's been my experience that, uh, in the figure eight, they follow and they eat that thing. Um, and to a lesser extent, other baits. So, to me, it, it not only attracts them and, and whatever, but you can trigger them with that bait still. And and your your theory way back when was that it created that vortex and 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 when it when you turned like into the L or whatever, uh, and they lost that, it's like they hurried up to to find it again. But whatever, uh, it, it really is. Um, that bait still works. And, and what I'm thankful for is that as I'm getting older, I don't have to burn these things. I'm getting them to eat slow and medium. Um, and really what's been nice the last couple of years on Lake of the Woods has been, uh, the showgirls, uh, gosh, we've been, we've been getting them, uh, on the, on the double eights, uh, pretty good and not again, not burning them. Um, and, and if I was to give anybody that's maybe, uh, somewhat new to, to Lake of the Woods or Canada in general, but just a couple tips that, that have worked for us. Um, and again, I'm a big Muskie Mayhem fan, not just because I'm a fan of Brad and Carey's, but the product works. It was the original and, and, uh, and I'm loyal like a hound. If something works for me, I ain't screwing around and trying a whole bunch of other different stuff. But first of all, the, the, uh, during the day, uh, let's say if you got some wind or if you're prefrontal or whatever, I'm usually throwing nines or tens cause they're, those fish are going to be active. Um, and it just, seems to me it gets noticed a little bit better calmer water and or uh early morning or evening uh i might be throwing uh the eights a little bit more often um nighttime i'm generally throwing uh back to tens and even the 13s again because if you slow roll a 13 it's no problem it, it just it's it's not a problem and and uh but the, on, on Lake of the Woods especially, I just have an affinity. There's one color combination that Carrie always makes for me that just, it, I don't know if it just works for me or if a lot of, I got this actually, this tip from Ty Sennett years ago. Uh, he fished up there all the time as well. In fact, we usually overlap. We get there on Friday night when he's leaving uh, during 4th of July weekend. Um, anyways, uh, black with uh, that Chippewa foliage green, as some people call it Martian green or whatever. But um, that combination, first of all, in, in dim water uh, and in dim light, that blade you can still see, yet it's not a, a gaudy uh, bucktail. But we've had tremendous luck with that with that bucktail. 
and um, I have Carrie make all kinds of stuff for me and and Kevin at the shows, but uh, uh, and we try them all. Hunter's favorite, he calls it cash, is uh, is your uh, gold blades uh, black skirt. Uh, and he does well on the eights, the nines, and the tens. So it's hard to argue. Somebody gets a personal favorite, and that's what they catch a lot of fish on. Well, they throw it more, so they catch more. It's, it's just how that works. But um, it, it's it's been a fun deal, and uh, I'm looking forward to this. I guess our, our season starts this weekend, and I'm I'm going to go up north. I keep my boat and my truck up north, and. Uh, I'll go up as much as anything to get things sorted out and get stuff ready and and get stuff put away. Got to clean my truck out. I always sleep in my truck, so I got to make my bed back there and get all the junk out of there. So I'm just I'm just looking forward to getting out on the water and having some fun. No doubt. I think that's a great way to end this, and I I appreciate your time tonight, Keith. And uh, I, I want Jeff to add whatever he's got to add here at this point. And, and uh, I, I'm super happy to have you on. And I think it was informative. And I think we brought up some uh, some different topics to the, to the whole podcast. Well, I think uh, I'll let Jeff speak in a second here. But uh, I appreciate you guys asking me even. Uh, Jeff, I, I think this is awesome what you guys are doing. Uh, Brad, I want to thank you again personally for what you've done for me just to get my name out there a little bit more. And, and uh, hopefully I don't have to work on too many reels this summer while I, while I hope to get some fishing in. But uh, trust, uh, trust that if I do, uh, if you guys uh, send reels to me, I will, uh, I will get them taken care of. If I've got parts, heck, I'm, I'm usually doing them the night that I receive them. So, um I'll take good care of you, and, I, and again, I, I think you guys are doing a great thing here. I appreciate you having me on. No problem, Keith. I think that's a good time for you to tell the listeners basically how they can get a hold of you. Okay. A uh, couple, couple different ways. Uh, Esox Real Repair is, is the name of my uh, business. And again, it's Keith, K-E-I-T-H, Edberg, E-D-B-E-R-G. And um, you can uh, contact me by uh, phone or by text, uh, 612-860-8801. Or you can email me at tedberg, K-E-D-B-E-R-G, zero, at gmail.com. Um, or you can uh, PM me on uh, Facebook or Instagram. and. Um, one way or another, I'll get back to you. Appreciate it. Looks like you don't even need me to wrap this one up, Brad. You know how it's done. Man, I'm telling you, I, I do need you, Jeff, because uh, you're a key component <laughs> to this whole deal. And I, I, a lot of times I get too boisterous, and what you got to do is just slap me a little bit. Sorry. <laughs> no, it's all good. I got to. I got a little bit of a nap in here tonight, so it's no big deal. No, I'm just kidding. It was all good. I was lis- I was just listening. Um, you had you had it under control. Um, so Brad, why don't you tell everybody about you? I'll tell everybody about me, and we'll call her a morning since it's uh almost one o'clock in the morning. That's a good time to go to bed, isn't it? I might even stay up a little bit longer. Who knows? 
Brad, I'm, I'm actually sipping some Pendleton in your honor. <laughs> oh, I appreciate that. Um, I'm Brad Hoppy from Muskie Man Tackle, co-owner of Muskie Man Tackle. Um, you can reach us both on uh, Instagram, Facebook, or you can email us and uh, contact us or look at our products on muskymayhemtackle.com. Love to hear from you. Um, love to see some of the fish pictures with uh, bait, fish that have been caught on our baits. And uh, thanks for all of our listeners for uh, tuning in again. And I am Jeff Widman with Team Rhino Outdoors. You can reach me at teamrhinooutdoors.com. You can also find Team Rhino Outdoors on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, uh, pretty much anywhere there's social media, we're there. For Backlash Podcast, we have Facebook, we have Instagram for Backlash. You can also get the Backlash email, which is backlashpodcast at gmail.com. You can find the Backlash Podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and Spotify. I think that's pretty much the end of episode number eight. Thanks, Keith, for coming out and talking to us tonight. We really appreciate your insight into, uh, you know, real maintenance and repair and all the different uh, knowledge that you shared with us tonight. You're very welcome. Thank you, guys. Have a good night. You too, Keith. Yeah.